Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the T-Bone Speaks podcast. I'm Dr. True Negrol, better known as T-Bone, and we believe here on this podcast that you can work less, make more, and do more of the dentistry you enjoy, all while building a practice that is DSO-proof and ready for the future. So stick, sit back, listen in, and enjoy our podcast. And this week, I'm once again joined by our lovely host, Miss Meredith Cooper Jones. <laughs> How are you doing, Meredith? Good, good. Welcome back to episode number 166 of the T-Bone Speaks podcast. And this week, we're going to be doing a wonderful interview with a gentleman named the Implant Ninja. Yes, I love that name. I know. I thought T-Bone was a yeah. good name, but the Implant Ninja is <laughs> It really sticks. Better. It does. I think he's got me beat in that. Mm-hmm. So what's on your mind? What's going on? Nothing, nothing. How was the cruise? Just getting oh, back? You man. still have your sea legs? <laughs> well, I got a little bit of a tan, so I'm extra yeah. crispy this week. Um, no, we went on a Caribbean cruise, and uh, I got to be honest, I've been on, this is my sixth Caribbean, fifth Caribbean cruise, uh, and for some reason, this was the best one. I think uh, probably because our kids are all totally old enough, they hang out with each other. Um, we did breakfast every morning together, and then we did dinner together every day. Uh, and otherwise, other than that, basically from 9.30 to 7 o'clock, it was just me and Mona hanging out, chilling. And uh, uh, for the first time on a Caribbean cruise, which I think are the most boring cruises, by the way, um, because you don't get off in a lot of spots. and you know, All kind of the same. I mean, all the islands are islands. Yeah. <laughs> Although you of, didn't get off at one, no, which I, is my favorite island. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I didn't get off. Actually, I got off at um, St. Martin. Yes. Uh, and uh, got right back on because it was, it was above 85. So it was above <laughs> 80, so it was too hot for me. But um, there was a casino on this cruise, so I spent a lot of time at the casino. I heard. I got text messages. <laughs> and I lost a few... I think I ended up losing three hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, that's not Wait, bad. That's not bad, no. but I, it hurts me. Yeah, <laughs> it hurts me to lose money, especially money that are. It was, it was much easier to lose money that my parents gave, gave me, you. <laughs> <laughs> or that the government gave me for student loan money in dental school. That was much easier. But uh, I did book two cruises for next year, and I think we're adding a third one. They got you on the ship, didn't they? <laughs> they did. Well, you know, I'm a sucker for yeah. those things. So, uh, and then Mona doesn't help when she's like, either you book it now. Or I'm going to book it. I'm totally scared she's going to book something more expensive. And I always spend more than her because then the guy's like, well, what do you think about having a suite class? And they're like, oh, that sounds awesome. It's only it's only $2,000 more. I'm like, oh, but let's do it. So anyway, I signed up for a cruise in February uh, for Yasha's birthday. Uh, we're going to go on a Norwegian cruise and we're doing the Caribbean again. And then... Uh, 
we have a cruise scheduled in April that I'm going to cancel. We're going to go to Europe, but it doesn't work out really well in the schedule. I don't want the school kids to miss any more school. And then uh, we're doing another Caribbean cruise with a couple of family members, sorry, a couple of friends uh, for Christmas next year. And I'll be interested in see if Mona doesn't cancel that one. She's usually one to go somewhere out of the country for Christmas. Yeah, so. I think cruises are good because it really... You know, you're in the middle of the ocean, so you can't do much work. Kind of makes you turn off a little bit. But they have Wi-Fi You still now. send me lists. They, yeah. they, they have Wi-Fi now, yeah. which is awesome. Yeah. But no, I, I really I really enjoyed it. And Mona says if I enjoy the Caribbean this time, that she knows that I'll love some of the European cruises, mm-hmm. uh, which is next on my list of one of the things I want to get done so or get, go to. Yeah. So maybe we'll do a 3D cruise That's to Europe. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, <laughs> I've already been on two cruises this year. Have you? Yeah. Me and How? Taylor did. We went one for my birthday birthday and one for our anniversary in June. Speaking of birthdays, this week is my birthday. Yeah. God, I'm turning so 44 a, this year. Boy, yeah. I'm 75. Yeah, I'm turning yeah. 44 this year. <laughs> I feel uh, like it was just your 40th. I know we went to Pinus yeah. for my 40th birthday. My Mona does such a good job she for does. me. She does. You know, my 30th yeah. birthday, we had a big bash down in Florida. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. The 40th, we did a uh, thing down in Pinehurst. With a lot of your friends. With a lot of my friends. Yeah. And, and and that was a lot of fun as well. So she does more for me than I do for her. No question about it. Yeah. Well, her birthday is right around the corner too. Yeah, yeah but it just falls in New Year's and I all know. that. So it just Us January gets, birthdays just get... Just yeah, everybody says up. December birthdays get pushed to the wayside because of Christmas. But I would argue, because I'm a January, <laughs> that it's January because everybody's tired of the holidays kind of done we just kind of get pushed to the side whatever you think (laughs) but yes i think a 3d cruise is in the works maybe for the next year or so well speaking of 3d uh as many of you know or don't know this podcast is brought to you by 3d dentist which is the education (laughs) company uh that i run and own uh that provides unbelievable education uh so let me ask you this meredith how are we doing on classes for 2019 we're done yes okay all our classes are done and i think how are we doing in 2020 we have a sleep class in denver in january that's that's sold out that's sold out the next one that Aaron's doing is uh, in February in, in Phoenix. Phoenix. Yes. And that, that's some space in there. Yes. Raleigh. And in March. It's almost sold out. That's almost sold out mm-hmm. too? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then we have April in Raleigh. Okay. Um, we have a sleep apnea and the 3D practice, the digital sleep class right. in January. And that's for and those that have bought the Matrix or bought any of Densefly Serona's cone beam products. Yes. It's tailored to how to use uh, their technology in that. And, and that's sold out. That's sold out. Mm-hmm. So, so April and May are already filling up for that. And what about March? I have an edentulist program, a full fixed full arch yep. implant program. Only a few spots left for that. So we're doing okay. Yeah. And then our digital implant continuum. Yes, that's better sold known out. As the dick. <laughs> sold our continuum out. is sold out. Series one is is filled up. Yep. And then we're booking for series two starting in June. Yes. And that's a live patient program, three weekends. Mm-hmm. So if you have any interest in any of those, uh, certainly uh, don't hesitate to contact Meredith or to visit our website. You can find our website by going to tbonespeaks.com or 3d-dentist.com. You got a review for us, Meredith? Yes. So this review is from Todd Larrabee. I love Todd. It is five stars. He wrote this review actually before he met you. We didn't know him yet. If Todd gave me less than five stars, (laughs) I would be disappointed. 
Todd says, hands down, the most real, informative, non-biased podcast in dentistry. I opened a scratch start in 2011. In December 2013, I added CEREC. January 2014, added CBCT. June 2016, added an awesome associate. And yesterday, we moved into a standalone alone building that we own and built from the ground up, about 12,000 square foot. He's just a PPO tooth doctor. Our team is amazing, and we have been a huge part of this success ability to serve our community. But the point I'm trying to make is T-Bone has been a real mentor to me from afar, like he does not even know I exist, but now we do. But now we do. No, I love Todd, and I like his wife a little bit more. But. He first heard you lecture in Nashville, and it was just a real refreshing point of view and approach to the dentistry business and work-life balance. I guess I also like how T-Bone challenges his guests. It makes the conversations authentic, and it helps to challenge the listeners. His podcasts are truly inspiring, entertaining, and refreshing. What I think I appreciate most about the big picture T-Bone speaks about is that it really resonates our team. Oh. Sorry, it was so long I had to put it into two <laughs> different screenshots. How about this? It's plenty good. Thank you, Todd. Uh, Meredith, make sure we send Todd a little yes, swag bag, okay, uh, for, uh, uh, for leaving us reviews. So listen, we live in the review economy. Uh, where reviews are everything just like they are in your practice and reviews are so important for us here on the podcast. We have been dwindling in reviews lately. So if you can leave us a review, even if you left us a review two, three years ago, go ahead and leave a review now again because we need the reviews. We want to catch up <laughs> and we want honest reviews. Uh, so this week I'm talking to the Implant Ninja and I got to be honest with you. Um, this new breed... Yes. Of young dentist, um, as much as we complain about the millennials, go getter. Uh, this one is a go getter. Mm -hmm, this one's sure. doing something different. Has a phenomenal life story, a phenomenal family story, a great practice story, and is uh, mixing up and changing uh, the way dental education is delivered. And uh, as an owner of a dental education company, 3D Dentist, I have to take heed. Uh, to what's going on out there. And he has a wonderful book called The All on X. Um, and I really enjoyed our conversation with the Implant Ninja. So let's go ahead and get right to it. And we'll see you back next week on the T-Bone Speaks podcast, The Implant Ninja. All right. Uh, today we have a special guest. Uh, I love your name, by the way, the Implant Ninja. Where'd you come up with that at? <laughs> yeah, in my um, so I went to, to prosthodontics residency in Michigan, and uh, there I, I spent a lot of time with the oral surgery residents, and they said, "Hey, you should apply to oral surgery. You'd totally be like an implant ninja." So ever since then, I was like, "That's a cool name." You know, I'm not going to do oral surgery, but I'm going to going to keep that name. Um, That's and I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It was either that as when I was coming up with my blog, it was either Implant Ninja or Implant Hero, one of those two, and I thought Ninja was cooler. Oh, it's got more character. Way better. Ninja's way yeah. better. Well, it's worked out good for you. Um, so we have Dr. Ivan Chiton. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, Pretty good. Hey, listen, yeah. I got a funny last name too. Uh, Stockton, California, as I mentioned, goes by Implant Ninja. Uh, is at ImplantNinja.com or DrIvanDDS.com. Uh, but what's unique uh, about uh, the Implant Ninja is that his practice is limited to, to dental implants. He's uh, only 32 years old, and I have all kinds of questions for you, Ivan. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to chat. Uh, so the first thing I noticed in doing my little bit of research about you uh, is that uh, you come from a family of dentists you've been, who have been practicing in Stockton, California, which is outside San Francisco uh, since 2000. And you enjoy arts, crafts. You're married. Uh, wife, his name is Teresa, and you have a beautiful daughter named Olivia. Uh, so talk to me about this um, uh, dentistry being in your family business. That's a pretty thorough background check, man. Private investigator. I don't know what, what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. What, what was your question? Uh, tell me about your family background as being a dentist. Oh. Yeah, sure. So my parents studied dentistry in Peru. And so they came here way long time ago when I was a, when I was a baby. And when they came, they didn't, you know, they didn't have their American license to practice. So they just kind of did odd jobs and uh, just worked to pass their bench exam. Back then it was a bench exam. And once they passed that, we were, we, we moved to California because that was the only, or that was one of the only states that still, you know, accepted that licensing, you know, process. Uh, so we came here to California and they, they started working and we've been kind of, we've been in Stockton for 20 years now. That's where they established their little home, home base uh, for their practice. And so now I, I've been in practice for what, six years, well, I guess six years since graduating dental school. And my, uh, my sister is in, in dental school now. So she's finishing this year. <laughs> and my, my, my brother's the smart guy. He's, He's not taking on any of those dental school loans. He's uh, he's studying he, he studied um, marine biology and he's uh, he's out in San Francisco doing the whole uh, coding and tech stuff. Well, that's kind of cool. So your sister is going to be a dentist, and mm -hmm. are your parents still practicing? They are. Uh, they're in the phase of their career where they're not trying to take on new things anymore. They might be kind of slowing down their practice, and they would hope that uh, one of us could ramp it up, or or I, I don't know. The transition. And you guys don't practice together then? So we do. So I actually practice within their building. Uh, okay. I've kind of, I, I have a separate patient base because of the whole insurance thing. It's really hard to actually work with an existing practice that takes insurance. So, um, yeah, we practice in the same facility, but different, different patient bases, different staff. And you mentioned insurance. So I assume you do not take insurance? So yeah, if somebody calls and asks if we take insurance, uh, I'll tell them that um, we are out of network and whatever they get reimbursed, uh, you know, we can't guarantee what they would get reimbursed and they would have to submit the uh, the paperwork themselves. Okay. And, and how's that been for you? Uh, you know, living in California, pretty competitive environment, uh, opening up a practice and essentially going fee for service. So I think I, I feel I feel like I, I hit some like like buried treasure and it's it's really cool actually I, I hope I don't come across sleazy but it's pretty cool what I know I've worked it with two different types of populations right because I've worked at, at big DSOs too and I, I you know kind of fast paced practices and what I've noticed is when you work with patients who want to use all of their insurance and in a setting where you have really low practice really low fees. Um, so if you have really low fees, the patients tend to be harder to work with. I, I've tried pulling teeth on patients that, you know, in the practice with really low fees, somehow they always complain more. They're always more upset. They have bigger infections. Um, they have maybe more extensive medical histories and they, I get a lot of no-shows. Whereas in my practice, what I found by raising my fees, my fees, I feel like they're pretty high compared to, to, you know, the dentists around me having high fees and not taking insurance, make sure that I'm automatically filtering my patients 
for the people who are very, very serious and committed about getting their work done and that they're willing to pay more for it, I hardly ever get no-shows. And the patients are so nice and they, they, they thank me after pulling their teeth. Whereas in the other setting, sometimes they'll be upset. So I don't okay. know. It's, no, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, listen, there's a, uh, there's a certain socioeconomic difference uh, in what you're mm -hmm. talking about. And there's also, um, you know, you're attracting people that are coming to you for you versus people that are coming to you to a certain degree because you're on their plan and there are going to be limitations there. So, okay, so okay, let's say this, okay? Where are you getting the patients from? Because you're not getting them through the insurance list. Uh, you're building a practice. You have, by your own admission, higher fees than most people. So where, where are you getting the patients from? What does your patient attraction process look like? Yeah, so I, I feel like I'm really happy with, with how it's been going, actually, because the um, I'm basically doing less work but getting paid more for it, right? And so right. I, I, can, I can give a little bit more quality. The way I think that I initially got the ball rolling with my patients, I started my website for my practice before I even owned my practice, okay. right? So I, I started my website two years before I started my practice because I knew that, you know, I, I did reading on, like, search engine optimization and whatnot, so I started my website two years prior uh, I built it up on Google. I, I did it myself. I think I used GoDaddy.com. And I, it was a simple drag and drop kind of thing to make my site. And I made it very, very, very niche. So I, I had come across this book called The, the New Rules of PR and Marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, the main takeaway from the book was that everyone uh, – there's, there's a lot of um, – interruption marketing these days. People try to say, hey, wait, look at look what I'm selling you, right? And that doesn't work because we filter that out. What works instead is, uh, is like content value-based marketing. So if you just create something that people are already looking for, then they're going to read it and they're going to trust you. And based on that trust, they're going to find you rather than you telling them that, that you know, they need to buy your stuff. So I made a guide for patients uh, for implant dentures. So it was like a 50-page guide or something, just like in really, really simply explaining, you know, what's an overdenture, what's an all-on-four, what's, what's entailed in the whole process, and what are the costs? Because if you Google that, right, if you Google all-on-four, you know, what is all-on-four, I bet you all you're going to get is like marketing, and it's really, really hard for patients to really like understand what's going on. It's like, yeah, it's, it's complicated. So I made that. I made that freely available on my website as a download, and I put it on Amazon for like $3, too. Um, and from that, I feel like Google was able to rank my site pretty high to where maybe a year after starting my site, I started showing up as number one, number two, um, maybe number three on the, on Google ranks for Stockton dental implants. And so when that happened, I just, I started a, uh, a Google voice, um, line on my cell phone and I started picking up calls myself. And so I was already getting these patients calling and I said, okay, I got to be able to, to, to screen them. And so I would fly back to California to do consultations. And so I was already having patients for full mouth rehabs when I was in Michigan in my residency. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. 
This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence-boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Okay. Well, that's... uh... That's a mouthful and uh, definitely quite unique in what you're doing there. So let's back up for this for a second, okay? Uh, So what I want our listeners to understand is, um, number one, you're you're very intentional about wanting to build a practice like this. It sounds like you kind of had this idea that you wanted to be implant, pretty much implant only, and you wanted to be fee-for-service before you even started your practice. And then you made the realization that you're going to have to stand out and be different. And the best and easiest way to do that is to actually traditional inbound content marketing, which is literally to answer people's common questions. And you Uh did that through a a lead magnet is what it's called in the marketing terms, but it's a 50-page downloadable ebook, essentially, that you created that just essentially answers people's questions about what things are, how much they cost, I assume, you know, what, what mm-hmm. goes into these things. And by doing this, uh, you, you answer their questions, which people appreciate. And number two, you become the expert because you are providing these answers for the patients. Does that sound about right? Yep, exactly. And this more concise. Able- yeah. Well, no, it's not about concise. It's, it's about helping people understand the, the why it works because it, mm-hmm. it's and, and it'll probably be the same thing on your implant ninja side of things is you essentially build that brand by answering dentist questions by freely sharing information instead of saying, hey, let me sell you this, let me sell you this, let me sell you this. Uh, exactly. You give information, give, give, give. It's Gary Vaynerchuk, right? It's give, 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 jab, you know, or jab, 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 hook, or whatever he calls it. Um, so we give until we finally have an ask uh, of our audience. So this ebook that you designed essentially like three, four, three years ago, probably now, three, four years ago? Um, when was that? Probably 2014? Yeah, yeah so 2014. Five years ago. Are you still yeah. using the same thing? Um, it's probably available on my site, honestly. So I... I built up my, my practice to where I, I had the, you know, the, as much work as I, as I wanted to have. And then for the last six months or so, I've been really focused on building my online brand. Okay. So I, you know, sorry, your professional online brand or your consumer online brand? Uh, my prefer, so, so B2B. So on, um, my okay. online implant education, right? Yes. For I've dentists. been focusing on that. Yes. For dentists. And so 
I haven't been as good. I, you know, I can't like, um, I can't divert my attention equally to both things. So I've been kind of diverting attention away from my practice. And so I'm actually not sure if it's still available on my site. It might, it might be still on my homepage. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to look into it because I want to <laughs> yeah. download and be able yeah, to send yeah. people a link to it because, because quite frankly, it's a great idea that all of us should be using. You know, mm -hmm. I do something somewhat similar. We have a 12 page, uh, a magazine that we uh, distribute by direct mail uh, and make available online for our patients. And it's done exceptionally well for us. Uh, mm -hmm. The difference here is that you're doing something directly to your website. Uh, and then obviously you're answering phones, uh, things that unfortunately a lot of people, a lot of dentists today don't want to do. Uh, and I don't want to make fun of millennials, but I find that most millennials want to complain about why they can't get where uh, where the implant ninja is, uh, because quite frankly, they're just not putting the hard work and effort into. It. They're not putting yourself out there, essentially. All yeah, right, it's so, it's all, yeah. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say it's all about just putting yourself out there and not being self-conscious at all and just doing it. I I would say that's like the single most thing that's like responsible for uh, whatever su perceived success I might have is just because I just do it, and then if it's not, it's never perfect. You just try again and try again. Yeah. You know, and uh, you said something that's super important, okay? Uh, the first thing that you said is a concept that I've learned I call making it safe to fail. In other words, it's okay to fail. In fact, I would argue that you need to fail to actually achieve success uh, because when you do have failure is when you can learn, you can regroup, you can refigure out what's going on uh, and, and just make it happen. And then the, the other part that you said that I am not as good at is I suffer from perfectionism syndrome, where I'm always trying to get everything just perfect before I put it out there. And, it's, uh, and, and quite frankly, on the B2B side, it costs me uh, money and time. Uh, but, you know, you get over those things sometimes. So, <laughs> I, so, I just want to touch so, Go ahead. Absolutely. I just want to touch real quick on what you said. The first thing that you said that it's almost, it's almost necessary to fail to succeed the way that I see it is, um, is that pretty much my successes are failures. It's just that I'm failing better each time, yeah. right? So each time I just got to fail better than I did last time. Yeah, you got you got to you got to fail forward. Mm -hmm. is, you know how I've heard it said, and, and uh, you know, and, and just keep moving forward. And, and the truth is, we're just less worse than others. Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to come back to your practice here for a second. Uh, but you mentioned uh, essentially your personal, your personal brand, uh, which is a big thing uh, in the B2B world, is developing a personal brand, Implant Ninja in your particular case. Uh, so talk to us about that. So, so here's what I looked up. I don't know the exact numbers, but you have, well, I think, 30,000 Instagram followers. Is that the number? Uh, no, I have less than that. I got like 14,000 Instagram 14, followers. It's not... Okay. I have only two. I don't even have two thousand. Okay, and I've been around twenty uh -huh. years, and uh, so selfishly, uh, you know, you're young, you're new. Uh, one would argue that I have fifteen years a head start on you. What am I doing wrong? And I know it's not wrong, uh, but basically, where did Implant Ninja come from, and how did you get so known in the online space so quickly? Sure. So when Instagram started, that's when, or I mean, yeah, when Instagram started, when I started my Instagram account, that was way before dentists were really posting on Instagram, which is really cool. Actually, that was on in 2016. I already started posting my cases 
and um, there was not really anything implant related or full art stuff. And so people, I guess, gravitated towards my site. So it was really easy to build like the first, I don't know, 5,000 followers uh, because my account was unique. You, you it's say very... it's easy. I still can't get to 2,000. <laughs> well, because it was very unique back then. But now, I mean, now it's a really, really slow growth uh, because Instagram is so crowded. It's so crowded and hardly anybody sees your posts. Even my followers don't see my posts anymore. And so I have to put my content on my stories. So I see Instagram as two different platforms. There are posts and stories and posts is kind of out. Now it's kind of outdated, I think. Stories is where it's at. (laughs) (laughs) Stories is where it's at, but stories is harder. I'm just getting to the posting part on Instagram. Stories is harder to do because it's harder to justify as a dentist. You're like, damn it, I'm spending all day just coming up with a clever little story or like, you know, sharing my repost on my story and then it's out. It's, you know, only it expires after 24 hours. I got to do it again. So it's really tough. I see stories as kind of like a television show. And if you put on a good stories show, people like tune in. Twitter in a sense, right? I haven't figured out Twitter. I hate Twitter. Right. Well, Twitter, you know, what I've, my, look, I, I don't want to get into a social media conversation necessarily, but what I understand on Twitter is you just put, sh- you put things out there and then it disappears because the, the just the sheer volume of things, uh, you know, mm-hmm. makes it disappear. And Instagram, it sounds like it literally uh, disappears after 24 hours on the story side. Exactly. So um, I, I would say that, so I started uh, with Instagram fairly easy, but I think like, probably a lot of people can relate to this. Um, after a while, you get kind of burnt out. You get burnt mm-hmm. out of trying and not getting the results that you wanted. And I was right there just like you know a year and a half ago. And I was like, you know what? This is taking a lot of effort. I need to focus on my practice. And so I slowed down a bit and I, you know, I, was, I was okay with that. Um, but I went to a conference. Uh, it was the, the first DIA conference. DIA, the, the, and uh, for, for our listeners, DIA is Dental Influencers Alliance. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, I went to the one that was in Los Angeles. Well, they've only had one so far. It was in Los Angeles. And uh, I wasn't planning on going um, because I had some other things going on. It was my daughter's birthday, actually, afterwards. Uh, But they they invited me to speak uh, last minute and said, okay, I'll I'll go and talk. And what was really, really cool is that a lot of people came up to me and they're like, hey, how's your daughter? You know, I've been they've been following me for three years ever since I started making my first YouTube posts in 20, you know, 2016, 2015 or something. And that was so cool to me. Like until that moment, uh, social media hadn't been real. It had just been numbers. And, um, but once I realized that there are like real connections and people really felt like they knew me and that they were my friends, I thought that was so cool. And so I decided to lean back hard into it. And so that's when I decided uh, I'm going to move into online implant education, um, I like to start out super niche, but uh, mm-hmm. and so I chose the, the, the implant niche. Um, and since then, I've just I've decided to get real serious about it. I've reamped my efforts. I've uh, retrained my staff, and I've hired staff specifically for it. And we so it now I have a system. So you know, you know, team, team. Staff, staff is an infection. I, you know, my <laughs> my listeners would be very irritated if I didn't correct you on that. So. Oh man, okay, team, the team. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, team. I hired. I, we we kind of like re we refocused our team from uh, traditional dental office to online information publishing, and so now it's a lot easier. It's interesting you say that. Um, I think that is something my generation uh, and me specifically kind of really struggle with is is that we're really in this 
this time where things are kind of switching. Uh, your team is no longer, you know, a front office person per se. It's a person that has to do some level of marketing and do these uh, boomerangs. We like we did a boomerang of our dog this morning, and they have to be salespeople and they have to be they have to be. I I call it the fake it till you make it look. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, that's kind of what works uh, in the online world. Uh, but in your situation, you're backing it up with actual stuff. Hey, I want to get back to your practice for a second. Okay? Yeah. So, um, so th this is very selfish on my end. Um, so what I'm understanding, at least certainly from your Instagram and everything, is most of your implant work is built around full arch cases. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here, bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one -on -one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Uh, about half. half. Or maybe, maybe a little bit more than half. A little bit more than half. That's like in my situation, full arch cases probably represent 10% uh, of the implants we, we, that we do on you know, 10, 15% of the implants that's that like we do. That's like a couple cases a year, something like that. No, no, we we put, we do at least an arch a month, uh -huh. uh, so uh, so it re it represents a smaller part of uh, uh -huh. of the, uh, the overall implants that we do in the practice. So so we talked about this acquisition. So your acquisition is still mainly through online. Are you doing any paid marketing? Um, no, no, I'm not. So I started my practice and started getting the volume in and I started getting reviews right away. I was get, I was focused on getting reviews on Google, on Real Self. There's a site, realself.com. Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a, like a plastic surgery type site, correct? Yeah, yeah. And I, I focused early on just to get a few reviews on there and then I moved on. But uh, so I have reviews and I, I have, now if you Google me, I'm probably the only implant specific place in Stockton that's, and, and I have I don't know. I don't have very many reviews, maybe like 25, but that's still pretty good if it's five-star uh, reviews with like, you know, paragraphs written right. about how they like me or something. So I did that. I did Google, um, Google AdWords for a while 
I was spending like three or 4,000 a month and it was just way too expensive and I wasn't getting quality leads. I, I might have gotten like 20 new patients and one of them would accept a full arch case, which yeah. is great, but I really didn't mm-hmm. feel like continuing to spend, you know, 4,000 a month. I, I'm very, very much hundred dollar startup mentality. I, I don't overspend. Yeah. It's been, you know, what, what I've been reading uh, on the uh, online marketing for full arch cases, uh, the average cost of acquisition is in the two to $3,000 ballpark uh, per case completed. Uh, so, you know, so, so you're a little bit under that, but it's, uh, it, it sounds like you didn't have the stomach or uh, desire to, I, probably what I'm hearing is you probably just didn't feel like going fishing and doing all the phone calls and the consults based on the size and volume of the practice that you're trying to create. Yeah. And I started my practice from scratch uh, with no loan. And so all of it's out of my pocket. And so stomaching four grand a month without being sure that you're going to actually get the right case. Uh, it just wasn't something that I felt super comfortable with doing more than like five months. So I stopped. All right. So, so most of your patients right now are either coming by referral, uh, by organic SEO search uh, mm-hmm. and uh, all of that. So, all right, so now once, we, once we've got the patient to call, we've gotten the lead and they're qualified, whatever, whatever that actually means, walk me through, if you don't mind, the sales and acceptance part. So when a patient comes in, how are you getting them to say yes? Because you don't mm-hmm. look old and experienced. You look like a little kid. And I, and I say that, you know, I say that nicely. Uh, I think that's a great compliment. <laughs> well, you know, I used to look like that at one time too. So, uh, so how are you getting the sales and acceptance part? What, what, are there any tricks or anything that you recommend? Sure. So I, I feel like we got really good at this. Uh, the last month or so, we've kind of dropped the ball because I'm really focusing on the next semester of my online courses. But mm-hmm. we got pretty good at this. Um, our patient walks in the door. Uh, we we bring them in to, well, I don't bring them in, my treatment plan coordinator brings them into the op, uh, offers them some water, um, and goes, just kind of like touches base with them just to see if they're a qualified candidate. Sometimes you just get a vibe right away. This person's right. not serious or serious. Uh, if they feel like they're a serious person, then they'll move on. If they feel like they're not a serious person, they'll kindly, you know, let them out the, the, the rotating door, you know what I mean? Because right. I can't be doing free consultations, wasting my time. And a lot of people just come to chat. So uh, after that, they'll go ahead and take a panel on them. Uh, after they take a panel, my treatment plan coordinator puts up, puts together kind of like a, like a, a rough plan just in their own head and on, some, and on paper, um, and then discusses it with me. Uh, prior to discussing with me, actually, they, they give them some ballpark figures. Uh, all on four costs, you know, 25 grand, single implant will run you uh, four, four grand or something or five grand. Um, and depending on the patient's reaction, they'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll tailor our plan. And patients could be like, oh, man, I can't afford that. You guys take Medicaid or something. Okay, and then, right. then we know it's not a good patient right. for me. Um, but if they say, okay, yeah, I've already, I already know those costs. I've been to Clear Choice or I've been to this place. I know I have some savings book. or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, if people still reading it, so that's great. Um, then, uh, then they know they're a serious patient. They'll come talk to me, and oh, the, the treatment plan coordinator will talk to me. Uh, we'll discuss a plan. I just basically look over their plan, say, "Yep, this is a good plan," or "No, we got to change it." And uh, then I go just say hello to the patient. I go say, "Hi, I'm Dr. Ivan Chikchon." They say, "I know. I saw you online. You're you're the implant ninja." <laughs> 
and they say, oh my gosh, you're so young. Uh, but I guess, you know, you got, you got the newest training in this stuff. You know, they say something like that. Right. And I'll say, um, you know, I'll, I'll just say something to the effect that, you know, I got a, a slower volume practice. Uh, we're very much uh, limited to implants and full arch cases. So we, we do have a good workflow for this and we do have good experience with this. Um, but they should do their homework and they should go see if they haven't already, they should go get a few opinions before they, before they um, commit anywhere and just go wherever you're comfortable. Um, after I talk to them, Alvin comes in or, or we have um, my office manager now, Bea goes in and presents the, uh, the itemized costs, but they already had an idea what the cost would be. Um, yeah. And then the patient okay. gets to decide. Yeah. All right. So now our patient said yes. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, so I, you mentioned the word Panorex, so I assume you mean Pano and not Cone Beam? Yeah, we'll take a, we were taking Panos. We just started taking Cone Beams uh, as a free service. We were taking Panos okay. for a long time. And Cone Beams, I mean, just to be honest, just because I get to use a lot of that content as a teaching method right. as well, so it helps me. Um, but yeah, usually it's just, it was just a Pano. Uh, I don't have any problem treatment planning from that. And um yeah, if they do accept, they have to put a deposit. We do a 10% deposit that day, and then everything has to be paid two weeks prior to the surgery. So okay, all of the so, surgery stuff. All right. So so I want to kind of wrap. I want to kind of repackage that a little bit. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So so here's what I heard is that uh, you're not necessarily scheduling them on your schedule. Okay. Uh, you're you're putting the patients in through your team that you built a process uh, with your team that you trust them. Uh, to treat patients fairly and kindly, uh, to walk through kind of where they're at in their life. Uh, we call that fit chat, kind of what's going on in their life, where this fits in, you know, what research have they done, what specific questions they have, you know, the things that team members can honestly and reasonably answer for patients. They'll probably show them some models or different things of what these different products look like so the patients have some ideas, and then they'll spit out some ballpark numbers, uh, you know, a single, depending on what Dr. Chichon says, you could, uh, you can need a single implant, and it might be in the three, four, five thousand dollar ballpark, or if you need all your teeth replaced, uh, it'll probably be in the twenty-five to thirty thousand dollar ballpark uh, per per arch. Uh, at that point, based on the patient's reaction, they will bring you in, and you'll come in, and you won't necessarily talk technical details. You'll just essentially kind of sell your value. And, and reassure them that they're in the right place, that you know what you're doing uh, by talking about essentially that this is your practice is somewhat limited to implants. Uh, and that kind of gives them comfort. Does that sound roughly about mm -hmm. right? Yeah, just a couple of things I would kind of emphasize is that my, sure, my team is, ver is very well versed on the, uh, even on some of the technical aspects of the procedure. Um, so that they make sure to inform the patient really, really well before I get there, because I can't spend 30 minutes with the patient. Right. Uh, I'll, point, I'll spend 15. Yeah. At this point, I can't because it's free. And so it's, uh, I spend 20, 15, 25, 20 minutes with them. Um, so I make sure my team is, my team's really good at explaining all the, all the technical stuff. The second thing that I wanted to touch upon is that I, I really, like you said, I kind of like present myself and sell myself as, you know, like I know what I'm doing. But I try not to oversell myself right, no. um, because, yeah, the, 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 the last thing I want is say, don't worry, we're going to this is going to work out perfect. And then something comes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's like when patients when we get consults in our office, OK, and they say, well, the last person I said that I won't have any pain afterwards. So I go, that person is not telling you the truth. 
<laughs> you know, I tell all my patients, you're going to hate me two days after surgery. You're not probably not going to like me very much uh, because mm -hmm. typically in our situation, two to three days is when we see uh, the most amount of bruising and swelling and stuff mm -hmm. uh, after, on these cases. Uh, so, and then once your patient decides that they're serious about moving forward, you take a 10% deposit uh, mm -hmm. to kind of move to the next step. And then you require full payment uh, two weeks prior. Yeah, so we're collecting twenty thousand. the The full price for like an acrylic hybrid is twenty five thousand, mm -hmm. but we're collecting twenty thousand. Even though that's not like the, the only the surgical part would actually be less than twenty thousand. Sure. But what but I found is if you only collect the beginning part, some patients don't come back for the the yeah. final, and then you're in trouble because you got them in an attempt that breaks. Yeah, you know, I was I was struggling with this with my team at one point, and they would say, "Well, why can't we just half and half?" I go because. 80% of the work is in the planning, the, the surgical, and the conversion. That's 80% of the work. And really all I want at the end is lab bills plus a little bit more. Uh, so I absolutely agree with you that on these cases, mm -hmm. it should be your surgical conversion fee should be 80% of the case fee. And then the restorative fee should be about 20%. Okay. So, um, all right. So now we've gotten, we, we've done a good job of selling yourself, you know, quality-wise, all of that stuff, not like sleazy selling, okay? Uh, <laughs> and your patients have said yes. Walk us through how you are executing these cases clinically. Okay, so I'm sorry. Is my, is my dog being too loud? I can put her inside. She's like, You're good. Don't worry. She, she heard another dog outside. <laughs> okay. All right, so on that day, if they make a deposit, then we'll go ahead and take an alginate impression. Uh, my assistant will do that. Send it to the lab for an immediate denture. Um, when they come in clinically uh, for the for the surgery day, they'll come in around 7:30 in the morning. Uh, we'll get started after consents and whatnot. At, at like eight o'clock, they'll start getting sedated. 8:30 or so, I'll start uh, giving a local anesthetic and start the surgery. Um, my goal is always to shoot for. I'm like a, I'm a slow guy. I'm a pretty okay. slow. I don't know how I don't know how these guys are doing. You know, upper and lower arch in an hour or something like well, that's, that's just not crazy. realistic for me. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm a slow guy. I turn my I turn my music on. I just kind of like chill out and do my surgery, and the patient's chilled out. So, so when you say sedation, what kind of sedation are we talking about? It's IV sedation. It's moderate sedation. Uh, okay. It's my my dad. My dad's a general dentist. He has his IV sedation license, and he sedates my patients for me. Okay, so so I want to I want to point out a key point for all our listeners, um, and, and this is just my opinion. It may disagree with you, but I don't think I don't think we do here. I absolutely believe that these full arch cases need to be done with some reasonable form of sedation, okay? Um, because they are pretty big procedures surgically, and uh, we don't want patients uh, being afraid. And I have a firm belief that the treating dentist should not be the one running the sedation. I think there should be a separate clinician. In my office, it's an MD anesthesiologist that runs the sedation, but you should have a separate qualified clinician to run the sedation so that there's a person focused on the patient's health and well-being uh, from an anesthesia perspective. And then as the clinician, there's enough other things to focus on clinically that we shouldn't necessarily be focused on uh, the sedation side of things. Uh, what, what's your take on that part of it? 100%. I, I sometimes do these cases under local. Um, that's, that's very, that's very rare though. I, I, I quickly, re I, I started to do them under local, you know, when I was first doing these cases and I quickly realized that it's just stressful for everybody. 
Uh, patient starts feeling just uncomfortable, or, you know, around around 12 Longer o'clock. It's longer, yeah, yeah. They start, they start feeling uncomfortable. They start feeling restless. They're they're burnt out, and and you're you know you're burnt out of the patient feeling stuff. And so yeah, when I started doing sedation for these, or my when my dad started sedating my patients, everything went so much more smoothly. Um, I'll say that I do agree with you about the whole two person team for the sedating and treating. I don't feel comfortable myself multitasking on that level. I actually have had to resuscitate a patient. Uh, I was. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, I was working at a uh, when, when I first graduated, I was working at a kind of a busy implant center. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, the sedating doc was was a little distracted uh, with something mm-hmm. else. And, and it, it actually was kind of a recurring theme. And um, and they they actually it was somebody else doing the treatment and they they, they yelled and called for me. And I, I ran to the room. Patient was like literally blue, like 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 wow. the sky. And yeah, I had to try, I had to try to resuscitate her and I, I kept her, you know, kept doing the whole EMS protocol until the fire department came and then she came, she came back, but I mean, it was a good five minutes oh, and it was really, crazy. really scary, really scary, turned into some lawsuit afterwards. But yeah, so that freaked wow. me out so much that, uh, I'm super paranoid. <laughs> I, I would, I would not do it by myself. Um, I, well, obviously people do it by themselves. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm anything, I don't have anything to say about their skill level. I'm sure they were trained for it and whatnot, but I'm just saying my skill level. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't trust it. Well, I would say it's, I think people that are doing it all by themselves are asking for trouble. Uh, these are typically medically compromised people in some form or another. These are longer cases. Uh, there's a lot of blood involved. It's just, there's just a lot going on and I didn't quite understand it until I did my first case, and we're doing our cases under general anesthesia. Once I did my first case under general anesthesia, I was like, I'll never do this any other way. Again <laughs> because it's, yeah. it's, it's awesome in a way, right? So, mm-hmm. all right. So, so uh, are you doing guides? Are you doing a lot of uh, any of that on the digital end of things? What, what's going on there for these cases? I did a lot of guides at first. I, had, I have a 3D printer. You know, I got mm-hmm. it a couple of years ago, and I was using it a lot. Um, it ended up I feel like it ended up taking a lot of time uh, and I often would use them for my pilot drill and then I change my position intraoperatively and then I decided to place implant some other way because it can be unpredictable when you take out so many teeth, you know, like where you'll get implants to a primary stability uh, afterwards. So I stopped using guides. Um, I, so yeah, I'm doing all of it freehand now. Um, yeah. And so I, I've done a couple of cases recently too, where I've eventuated the patient first and then mm-hmm. gone back to place the implants, you know, at a, at a, at a second procedure. Mm-hmm. And I'm starting to like that better, honestly. Uh, it's just a lot more predictable, I feel like, and, and a nicer experience for the patient. I but uh, I don't know, I'm still playing around. When you extract? Yeah, grafting for yeah. sure, socket grafting. Yeah, but, but most you're, of the time I'm... Ex- you're sorry, extending treatment time in that situation. I can't imagine patients would love, uh, you know, all of that for so long. Yeah, yeah, they, they wouldn't. You're right, but I'm... You'd be surprised, I guess. Uh, some patients really want to get it done fast, but I feel like most patients just want to get the most predictable results. That, that's probably like their primary uh, pain point. They want to make sure that when they spend money that it's going to turn out yeah. the best, the most once. predictably. Yeah, they want to do it once. Yeah, and like I'm not going to lie and say like I know the best ways to do everything. Mm-hmm. I, I've been doing it. You know, I've been extracting teeth, placing implants, immediately loading, and I think it's turned out good. But I've seen I've seen some presentations, uh, some cases uh, where they're edentulated and then implants placed, and that's how I did it in my residency. Right. And I'd like to start doing that just to see if I like that workflow better. 
I feel like they get to, I get to try out their dentures first, right. To see if they like it with this aesthetics and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I'm always trying new things, seeing how I like it and then trying to improve. So this is like the next thing for me that I like to try out. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. So obviously you know what you're doing. You've got all this going on. You built a phenomenal practice. It sounds like, and I, 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 and I always say you built a practice around what you want. And that to me is the most important thing. I can tell you personally that your style of practice would probably drive me nuts. Um, but, uh, but that's the beauty of dentistry is we all design what we want. And uh, that makes it uh, super easy for us uh, to, to be happy. And, and that's what matters the most. And I know that you're a family man and that's important to you. So, all right. So let's, let's kind of switch to the back to the B, B2B side. Uh, are there any other things, let me back up. Are there any other tips and tricks that you would share for uh, that younger, older dentist that's kind of getting into uh, these full arch cases that, that you would say that you wish you knew three years ago? Uh, ah, let me see. I think, so two things. So one thing is case selection. I mean, everyone says, everybody says case selection, but it's so important. So I would say I would be really, really selective about which cases I take on, especially if you're just getting into it. I'd be really selective, not necessarily from like patient medical history point of view, but patient psychology, right? uh, because you get committed to this patient and that kind of leads... You do, and that, that kind of leads me to this next one. Um, as a young dentist paying off your loans, you're trying to get busy, right? right? And for a while, I was getting so busy that I feel like it was it was too busy for me, honestly. I, you you got to find a sweet spot, and I was overcommitting myself. Um, I guess it sounds it sounds like a like a lame thing to say, but overcommitting myself emotionally. So if you take on too many big cases, too many aesthetic cases, that's a lot of potential complaints. That's a lot of potential phone calls on the weekends. And so that's something that I've really had to learn to recalibrate myself and take a step back from accepting so many cases and just being okay with making less, seeing less patients and trying to focus on doing a good job for them. And um, that, that really mitigates my, a lot of my stress. It also makes me earn less money. Which, which can be stressful, but uh, you got to decide what's what's important for you. Look, I, I look, look, Ivan. I'm a firm believer that if you do the right thing, if you're committed to your path, the money will show up. Um, and 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 listen, man. You used to live off probably thousand dollars a month when you were in college. You know, we could always live that way for the most part again if that's what it took to chase our dream. I, I would love to. I would love to really agree with you because. Um, that's a wonderful, that would be a wonderful situation. But for, I mean, my reality is that student loans are, are yeah, no, outrageous. I no, I yeah. don't mean like you can live off a thousand dollars per month. Right, right. Because, because your student loan bill is probably $4,000 a month. Just to <laughs> No, my, no, it's not, man. I, I, my student loan bill is 9,000 a month. What and you, then like a more payback. 10 year. Um, so at 10 years, it's like 8,500 or something. I'm going to, okay, right. I'm trying to pay it faster. I've been paying 15,000 a month, uh, okay. but I'm slowing it down now, you know, cause I'm actually getting less income because I'm, I'm building my online business. But yeah, I love the idea of just kind of like doing, following your passion and it's going to work out. And I, I trust that to my core, but it's also scary just because of those loan payments. It's, it, it's scary and uncertain, but I just got to trust that it'll work out. Like you said. 
Yeah, I, I think that's an important topic that we should touch on for a second, okay? Sure. Um, what, what I mean by saying that we can live off $1,000 is not that we can literally live on $1,000, but what's important is that I, I don't think most people know what it actually takes for them to live, you know? And, and by the, what I'm looking at is, look, you got your fixed expenses. You got your cost of your practice, whether you see a patient or not. You got the cost of your loans. Although, in a sense, you could defer those, I think, if, if hardship came around. But we got the cost of, of loans, and then we got the basic cost of living. So we can figure out a way to live in that dollar amount. And what most people do, and I have, I'm a big believer in, in the concept of creating economic flexibility, is most people overspend, and they get to a point where they have to make so much money. And, and that's, that's, where, that's where we make wrong decisions is when we don't create some level of flexibility because we spend on the personal side uh, and not necessarily on the business side, but on the personal side, that gets out of whack and puts a lot of pressure on us uh, on the business side of things. I agree 100%. If you're going to try to follow your passion, yeah, uh, yeah you got to follow that, that, that philosophy that you just said. I, I don't spend on myself personally at all. Everything I spend on is to make a return and yeah, to build my brand. Yeah, it's, yep. it's in your passion, whatever your passion is. That's where we should be spending our money. If your passion is gardening, spend money on gardening, uh, but, you know, whatever it may be. So, okay, you've mentioned this several times, and I do want to get to it, um, is your focus on your B2B side, dentist to dentist. And you've written a book called uh, The Implant Ninja all in X book. It's gotten rave reviews uh, all over the social media platforms. And then you have a follow-up book to that. So talk to us about the book and talk to us about Implant Ninja. Talk to us about your education. What's your goal? Uh, what are you doing there? Sure. So it all stemmed from when I was in dental school and in Pross residency. I tried to. I was trying to learn how to do some of these cases because the older dental students didn't want to take them on because it wasn't part of their requirement. And so I would get some of these big cases before I even knew how to make a denture. And so when I would ask my faculty, they would say, "Oh, just just YouTube." Like literally, they said, "Just YouTube it." And there wasn't anything good on YouTube back then. And so I had a really tough time. I, I got my, my Mish book. I think I have it back here somewhere. Yes. I got my Mish book. I got a couple other books. I read journal articles and try to piece together how these things work. Uh, because a lot, I found that, like looking back now, I realized that probably a lot of my faculty didn't know the nuances of all on four treatment planning because it's not like, you know, it's not like everyone does it every day. Um, so I decided that when I learn it in process residency, I'm going to make videos and explain it to people as I learn it. And so I got a pretty big response from that. Those are still my most popular videos, um, like the, you know, the treatment planning part of the all on four videos on my YouTube. And that was so cool for me that I decided that I really want to commit myself to making something that's uh, easy to understand, like a, a platform that teaches this stuff. And so that's what I'm committed to like 90% now, my yeah. practice is, well, okay, 80%. I still, I still want to make sure I'm doing well in my practice and that my team feels that their clinical work is valued. But right. I really want to emphasize this online stuff because um, once it's made, uh, I, f I feel like it has to have a big push so that people can accept it and go to it and trust it. Once you kind of establish that, then you're kind of like over the initial hump. So that's why I'm putting a lot of a lot of pressure on that right now. Um, yeah. You asked me about my book, also. Yeah, the book, absolutely. So, like I mentioned, when I when I first started work, when I first 
started working after residency, there wasn't really like a lot of jobs uh, for prosthodontists. There weren't any prosthodontic prosthodontists wanted ads really. And so I, and my, uh, and my daughter was actually, she was born with a medical condition. Dentist that was DSP dentist seeking prosthodontist on, on Craigslist. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that doesn't exist. And, um, <laughs> And so at that time, my daughter was being born with a condition that was basically life-threatening for the first year and a half or so. And so I couldn't hold down a regular job. I couldn't work the five days because I would, I would literally get called, you know, I'd go to the, had to go to the emergency room uh, once a week or something. It was kind of something, something crazy. Um, and so I had to find, and I still had to pay my bills, so I had to find the highest paying jobs for the lowest number of days. And so that's yeah. how I came across this, um, this dental implant um, center. And there's a lot of troubleshooting, so they paid me a little higher. And for a while though, I actually couldn't work because I was in the hospital or because I was like watching my daughter. And so I'm the kind of guy that I, I, I have to do something though. When my daughter's sleeping, I, uh, I started putting together like all of my thoughts. I just kind of like splashed it all out on Google Word all my thoughts on, on the all on four treatment plan. And I had a lot of pictures from working at the center and from my, my residency. And so I just kind of put them in order and try to like explain it. Uh, kind of like I'm explaining it to my buddy or something. Cause I thought it was right. just going to be like a little handbook that I share, uh, that's going to help people out. And, um, I'm a big believer in just like iterate and reiterate and just iterate fast. And so I, I put this book up for presale uh, that was something I learned from a book called a hundred dollar startup that yeah. you put it out for pre-sale and then you got uh, the pressure to deliver. And so you actually deliver. <laughs> yeah. You have the pressure to deliver. You actually see if there's any demand for it. And I, I had a high, high price point for it because I, I, I've heard that the, the price of something is just, you basically come up with it by just saying, what's the value of the problem that it solves. And it's a pretty high value of the problem that it solves. And so I priced it at over $200 and I, I probably had like 30 pre-orders and I thought, wow, this is cool. I'm going to make a couple thousand bucks off of it. So I'll, uh, I put it up. Um, and when it went out, I was, I remember I was, I was in Hawaii. I took a, a family vacation with my parents um, and, and my wife. We, we went out there. I just, I just clicked it and I didn't really check for a while. And just orders just kept coming in. And, and it was, it was pretty, pretty amazing that, that people actually wanted this thing. So, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, part of what, what happened is you built a tribe and you built a level of trust. And when you do that, people want to support you. And so a lot of times they're buying it out of support. Uh, certainly it's a good product. It's a great book. But, you know, anybody that's out there that wants to get into the realm that I've been in, that you're in, in terms of the dentist to dentist, the business to business part of it, the number one thing you've got to do is you've got to establish credibility. And that comes from doing good dentistry, actually doing dentistry. And it also comes from freely sharing good information so that people can trust you. And it also comes from being transparent, open, and honest about what you're good at and not good at. And then if you're able to do that, people will trust you. They will support you through things that we make, we'll make mistakes uh, and, and they'll support you. And I, and I just, you know, it's, that's a testament to that. Well, I, I'm kind of like you too in that I've, I'm kind of a perfectionist. I, I put it up before I felt like 100% confident with it. Uh, and I still got really, really great feedback on it. I, I basically all my stuff is is 100% uh, refunds, right? I can I can right. I'll refund anybody anything. 
Um, but I've, out of like a thousand that I've sold, one person requested a refund and it was, it's just been a really, really pleasant experience, I guess. I've had a lot of great feedback, but what I'm trying to say is I put it out before I thought it was perfect. And that's why I've gone back and I've, I've reviewed everything. I formatted everything. I've, I've made it better. And that's what the second edition is. So it's the second edition, is just a revised version of the, of the first edition. And the beauty of second editions when you're successful with the first one is now they've self-funded actually creating an even better second edition uh, mm-hmm. because you actually have some economics behind it uh, and a proof of concept that you can make it happen. Where can people learn about the book at and, and all of that? Sure. So the book is at implantninjaedu.com. So that's where my books and my courses are at. Uh, you actually cannot enroll in my online courses right now. What um, what I didn't want people to do to feel like is they just like it's any other course. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of online courses that I think just plain suck. They're just yeah. ten videos, and then you're like, man, I got scammed out of a thousand dollars. So mine is the antithesis to that. I I I think I'm very very cognizant of user experience. Um, I there's a there's a great book I'd like to recommend on that. It's called Never Lose a Customer Again. Um, and so I think through the entire user experience and I try to make you feel like you're there with me or that you're connected with me. And so that's why I decided to make it, um, only open kind of like an academic system once a quarter. And so once a quarter, I'll accept students and that way we can really have a better level of connection and better responsiveness for me. We could even do like a live demonstration or something online. So that's my, my new little workflow for my online classes. So the yeah, so it's an open cart, closed cart system. Basically, you're going to open the cart once or twice per year, two, three times per year. Uh, you're going to have everybody enrolled. They all get started at the same time. And you essentially walk them through the concepts. You'll probably do some type of monthly meeting with them so that they can answer, get their questions answered. And that way, people are kind of going through the process in a singular flow. It makes it easier for you and, quite frankly, easier for the, the, uh, uh, the buyer as well. So, yeah. Much easier. Much easier to make people feel you know, feel valued. Special. Yeah. 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 Like they're, they're yeah. getting, they're getting their hand held even mm-hmm. in an online environment. I feel like I'm talking yeah. too much. I feel like I, I, I would want like mentorship from you. Do you, you do anything like that? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, do you mentor uh, anybody? I do. I do a lot of stuff uh, like that. Um, you know, where, where I'm fascinated with you, uh, Ivan mm-hmm. is uh, the online stuff. Um, I look, I have six or seven different two or three day classes that I teach. And I've never put any of it uh, in an organized online way. Uh, part of it is uh, part of it is because I'm a little bit opposed to deep online education, and not because you don't learn. I think the missing piece with online education is camaraderie and face-to-face interaction. Um, so that's just my take on it. Look, it's going to change. I know the future of dental education, uh, pr- you know, advanced dental education is, is uh, through eBooks and uh, online learning. Uh, so um, it'll be there. Yeah. It's just a matter of, it's just a matter of getting my button gear. Uh, I have a quite a busy practice that is taking up quite a bit of my time. Uh, and then we do about, we do about 30, 30 workshops a year. Uh, so live education e- events a year. So it, it, it takes up a lot of time. Uh, and then the podcast is, you know, roughly every week. Uh, so all of these things take up time. Uh, but yeah, we do a lot of mentoring. Uh, 
uh, all the things you're doing, I've read about, I understand cleanly, I understand the concept. You probably have a launch sequence where you're building up to a X date that you're going to launch. You're, you're, you're going to open your card for your online education to build up awareness. And then you're going to have a two, three week period, whatever it is, that it's actually open. And then you're going to close it to create scarcity and get people to actually make decisions. So, um, uh, it, it works, and I and I want you to talk a lot. I get I get complaints <laughs> that I talk too much on my podcast. So. But uh, all right, one last thing, okay? Yeah. Uh, and and I'm trying to end this with all my interviews now is uh, the one big thing. Uh, if you were to go back in time, or if you were looking ten years from now, and the next implant ninja was talking to you, what what would be the single piece of advice that you would give them? to build a long-term, sustainable, happiness-centered career? So this, is, this question is coming from a perspective that you feel like I have some sort of wisdom to give to, you know, 18-year-old, well, 20-year-old me. I feel like I'm in a good, I'm, 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 I'm on the climb, but, right. I, you know, I'm, I haven't made it, and I don't know when I will make it, but I'm, you know, I, I, I guess I do have some, some words of wisdom, um, well, you got listen. But you gotta, <laughs> I get the humbleness, okay? But let yeah, let's yeah. be truthful about this, okay? Yeah. I mean, oh, I, I I super am. Yeah. Th- th- three, this is this is like three years ago. You were three or four years ago. You were nowhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. You you were you weren't known. You didn't have a book. You didn't have an online platform. You didn't have a social media following. So, and you were just a, essentially a, a basic dentist, right? Yes, you were in residency, but you didn't know, you know, first year residency, you're the equivalent of a dental school graduate. You know, um, how did you get here? What would be the piece of advice that you would look back and tell somebody that if you met somebody that was in your shoes three, four, five years ago, what would you tell them is the key to get? And they said to you, hey, Ivan, I want to do exactly what you're doing. How how do I get there? That's the big thing. I'll I'll go ahead and tell you. So I I can try to keep it concise. What I would tell them is to iterate fast, to fail better, and this part is the part that I'm still trying to get good at, is to not be too hard on yourself if you fail and when you fail. Because it's nice that you said that I've, I've reached like this kind of success, but I'm being 100% honest when I say that this is not, uh, what I call it. This is, this can be transient. You know, if I stop tomorrow, it'll, it'll all fall apart. Right. So I'm still climbing. I'm still trying to establish myself and, um, I can only offer encouragement to somebody who's trying to aspire to grow their brand. Um, I'd still feel like I have a long ways to go. What I would love is if I could slow down a little bit, I honestly really want to slow down a little bit because these times where my daughter's real young, I don't want to miss out. Um, I still have, a, I still have some ways to go. Uh, I'm not at the work life balance that I want to be at. Um, but I definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of the tunnel. Okay. And if somebody in the beginning of the tunnel, I'll tell them that, how do you get to the middle is just keep working hard and iterating fast, just making stuff fast, not being self-conscious, take your feedback, take your criticism and make a new one and make a new one and make a new one and try again. That's how you get to the middle. So basically you're saying just put it out there and see what the hell happens and be ready to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. But fix it, fix it fast. I can't iterate. I can't like emphasize how fast uh, you got to be. I'm a really fast dude. If I say I'm going to do something, I'll, I'll get it done by, you know, I'll, I'll put the whole platform up by next month or something. <laughs> well, sometimes we need that pressure. Uh, so Ivan, listen, it's been unbelievable talking to you. Uh, I thank you for your time. I took more than I told you I would take. 
Um, and again, it's implantninjaedu.com, uh, and you can learn about his book, his online training, uh, his uh, live education training. Uh, and uh, look, I love the humbleness, but uh, you've done some amazing things. Uh, and this is just the beginning for you. I see, I see great things for you uh, ahead, and <clears throat> just keep blazing a trail and keep failing. Okay, fail, fail fast, fail forward. <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, it's the truth. I mean, people say, why would you tell somebody to fail? I go because you don't get anywhere until you actually make a mistake, and <clears throat> and that's when you learn what people want. And uh, so keep failing. You know, keep failing, can I just mention? Yeah, absolutely. Can I just mention something real quick? So one other thing that I think has helped me a lot is to get a mentor. And yeah. so I, I, I got an entrepreneur coach, and they've helped okay. me out so much, tremendously. Uh, really reset my mindset, and I'm I'm much, much better uh, business owner and entrepreneur because of it. And so I would also love – I don't like, I don't know if you offer, like, distance mentorship, but I would love yeah. that. If you ever do have something like that, I'm 100% interested. I have it all the time. It's called instant message. It's called phone calls. It's oh. called text messages. It's called all those things. Uh, you know, I, yeah, absolutely. I love doing that. Love, love, love helping people. Uh, talk to me about this entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship coaching. Is that outside of the dental realm or inside of the dental realm? Complete, completely outside. I needed a different perspective because a, a dental consultant would tell me, no, you got to raise your production. Just mm -hmm. what you're doing makes no sense. Raise your production. And so I wanted an outside perspective of what really makes sense in terms of returns. Like I didn't know if I, you know, if I get this amount of money from my online courses, is that a good return? Is that a bad return? Is that pretty profitable compared to my business? And all, the only people I have to ask is dental folks. You know, so I decided I need to get an entrepreneur coach or a business coach and they can give me like a purely like outsider's perspective of, wow, that's good returns or, or not. So uh, and she's really, you know, before that, I would just kind of like talk, talk my wife's ear off like, hey, what do you think? Should I like hire this new guy or like do this or that? But now I get to just vent to all this to my business coach and she helps me walk through like what it really means and what are the most important next steps and then I just talk to my wife about family stuff, and she's happy. She's really happy with it. It's amazing how that works, right? It's, <laughs> it's amazing. And, and it's good to get unbiased, non-vested people to give you mm -hmm. true, transparent, and real information uh, to help mm -hmm. you make good choices. So, Ivan, it's been a pleasure, uh, and I hope to have you back on at some point to talk about a little bit further about where you're at. I'm going to, uh, I followed you on Instagram now. So uh, uh, I'm going to keep up with what, what in the world you're doing, assuming the algorithms let me see what you're doing. So. <laughs> All right. Likewise. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate oh, it. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. All righty. Hey, podcast family. T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, 
personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.